All right, folks. Welcome to another installment of Small Talks Big Ideas with Steve. I am your host, Steve Fletcher, the development manager at Low Country Local First, which, for those of you unfamiliar, is a 15-year-old local economic development nonprofit headquartered right here in the Low Country of South Carolina. So excited that we have started broadcasting this show on ohm radio 96.3 if you're tuned in right now we really appreciate it ohm is such a fantastic group of people with a with a great and important mission to bring the community together and get them the music and the information the stories that they need to live a full and rich life here in the low country so without further ado i am going to introduce you all to the uh, man the myth the legend an individual i am very excited to be able to share the next 60 minutes with, and hopefully we learn a whole lot from him. I know he's got a lot of cool, unique stories to share. His name is Andy McCarthy. He, uh, he has uh, worked for and with and alongside many different people, initiatives, organizations in the past, and continues to do so. We're going to dig into a little bit of his personal and professional story here in a minute. Um, and I think I want to kick things off with, uh, with just a wide open question that I've been kicking things off with over the course of the last few months now. It tends to lead to a lot of interesting conversational tributaries. So let's, uh, let's jump into the river, Andy. Who that's is Andy McCarthy? That's, that, that's the end of the question. That's, 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 that's the question. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Andy McCarthy? And keep it to a couple sentences. I know you are, a, you are generally a succinct man in any case, but... Uh, I just love to hear what comes out of a, a question like that. Uh, he 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 uh, he said admiringly of his own question. <laughs> uh, great question. Um, I haven't been asked this question in a while. Um, who is Andy McCarthy? Uh, my uh, my wife can never remember what kind of work I do, and she always um, <laughs> looks at me. She's like, "Yeah, you're a, you're just a business guy." <laughs> <laughs> With that cadence, business guy. Yeah, business guy. Um, but no, I, um, I'm a, I'm a husband and a father and, uh, um, ex business owner, but love, uh, love having these kind of talks with folks and, um, love, uh, love my friends and love traveling. Um, I'm sadly, uh, a, uh, Georgia Bulldogs football fan with the school there. It's my alma mater and we had a little bit of a, a rough weekend. Yeah. Um, I saw that. Yeah, I'm sl- slightly depressed today. But my condolences. We'll, we'll get over it. We'll turn that front upside down <laughs> in a minute here. So if people see you as a business person, you see yourself first and foremost as a, as a father, as a family man, as a traveler. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's drill down a little bit more into that. This is Steve's psychoanalysis uh-huh. corner. Um, no, let's, let's bring it back a few years because when I first met you for those folks listening in, I was working as the community manager at Local Works. I'm actually looking at the first iteration of Local Works right now through the Ohm Radio Studio window. We were in a little building at 1630 Meeting Street for about five years. We were Charleston's first um, community workspace run by a nonprofit, of course, Low Country Local First. You were already in the space when I started serving as community manager over there, and you were at the time. Uh, heading up a company that I believe you had started or you 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 joined at some point, but we're in a leadership role over there, and they were called People Surge, um, and I got to know you really well over there, and I was just enamored with all of the kind of stories from the foxhole about King of Pops, which is another super popular brand and company that you founded once upon a time. 
I'd love to go to go back for a minute to the King of Pops days. We at Low Country Local First, of course, for those of you who don't know, are all about advocating for supporting local independent entrepreneurs and businesses and hearing about their stories and their challenges and their um, and their successes and, and extending the successes to the rest of the local independent business community. So half, hopefully some of those leaders can mine some of those success stories for best practices of their own. And then kind of meeting those challenges with uh, through a number of different ways, connecting them to resources, supporting them through direct relief services, that sort of thing. Um, but when we talked a little bit about King of Pops, I, uh, I found a lot of interesting kind of stories in that, in that genesis of King of Pops. So I'd love to hear about how, how King of Pops started, why you decided, decided to start a popsicle business, why here in Charleston, South Carolina, and... Um, I'd love to just kind of know what your what your personal entrepreneurial tale was. Yeah, yeah, sure. So we started King of Pops back in 2010, and I uh, actually was not the founder. Um, mm-hmm. One of my my good friends and old business partners, Stephen Kars, and his brother uh, Nick were the the founders. Me and Nick were roommates for a long time. I was in the business. I was um, selling big industrial equipment. And, uh, and wanted to, to start a company or, or do something. So I was actively looking for something to do. Okay. And um, King of Pops was, uh, was started in, uh, right after the 09, 08 recession. Sure. Um, so my, my old partner, Steven, uh, gotten laid off work. He was working at AIG and um, had been talking about starting up a popsicle company. We had we'd seen people doing something similar down in uh, Central America and Mexico. Um, Paletas are a big thing down there, fresh fruit popsicles. That was a cool idea. Um, he got laid off work and was like, you know what? Why not? Why not? Why not do this thing now? Um, so originally it was going to be a storefront, but then couldn't get the lease done right. So got a, got a little cart, sat on a corner in uh, in Atlanta at the time, and um, started slinging popsicles. Um, How'd you end up down in South? Were you in South America, and that's where you got the inspiration for the popsicle cart? idea yep yep so um my my partners nick and steven they were um their brother used to work in panama and they were down visiting him so there i spent about six months down in um, south america and argentina Mm -hmm. and peru and bolivia um in chile just kind of bumming around taught english for a little while um but yeah they were big down there as well which is that was a cool treat that you didn't really see here um of just like like fresh fruit and natural popsicles um so again it was one of those things where like ah Seems like a cool idea, but you know, never do it. So it took, you know, my buddy getting, getting, getting laid off to like actually do it. And it was kind of one of those just right place, right time type deal. So mm-hmm. I was up and I'm on nights and weekends to kind of get things going as you do with uh, your friends doing, doing a fun little venture. Um, it was going pretty well. So, um, I had been wanting to, well, I thought Charleston would be a cool place to live. I had a bunch of friends here. So, Hey, why don't we move this to, to Charleston as well? So, um, I always tell people I had to take one for the team, move to the beach to get the, the business going here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's no shortage in talking with business leaders like yourself who, who have either started a business here or have moved it here. I mean, it's become abundantly clear to me. There's, there's many common threads that, in, that, you know, kind of encourage them to, to begin an enterprise here in the low country. But certainly one of them is, is the weather, the climate, um, the hospitality. I think Charleston has a lot going for itself particularly as it pertains to its natural beauty. So it seems like you identified that. Um. P- pretty easy, too. Uh, one of my really good friends right after college um, moved uh, into the house. Um, so I think it's, it's not a house anymore. It's like an art gallery or something. But on Sullivan's Island, it's right on the corner next to the gas station. 
um, we somehow landed in that place. And so we'd always go stay with him and visit. Like, man, this is a, it's a cool spot. Uh, we didn't realize how spoiled we are but we're back then to, to be able to just you know, hang out there for free. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was, I feel like Charleston in many ways has changed since then. It's, that was back in, what, 2010 that you joined that would, up with King of Pops? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure. And so what sorts of changes have you seen in Charleston since then, both in the you know, local independent business ecosystem, um, but also just you know, more, more generally speaking. Sure. Yeah. So I, uh, I live in park circle. So that area has changed, you know, dramatically over the years. Um, that's where we had our, our popsicle warehouse and, um, and manufacturing facility. Our kitchen was up there. Um, so just looking at that area, I mean, it is blown up. There was Evo was like the, the spot back in the day and, um, Majorua. And now, you know, it's just like a, a Mecca for cool, cool stuff going on. Um, but I mean, then outside of that, just Charleston in general, has just kind of blossomed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear people, uh, from here whine about the, the traffic now and it's still no, nothing compared to like a bigger city. Um, and I think it still has a town feel, but it I mean, there were, we weren't winning best cities in the world to visit to back then. Um, so can't get out of the bag. I'd probably say in the past five, eight years. So, and so personally for you, what changes occurred between 2010 and now? So you're at King and Pops for a number of years. I know you eventually ended up dovetailing with People Surge. Um, talk to me a little bit about what I know, but I'd love for our listeners to hear, which is your evolution from Popsicle Slinger to um, sort of like human capacity organizer and HR consultant. Sure, sure. Yeah, so... We were running King of Pops for a number of years, and um, if you haven't seen us around, um, we used to have these little popsicle carts on the corners, and we go to farmers markets and music festivals, and you know, do birthday parties and corporate events. Um, so uh, it was very organically grown that way. But we started to notice other holes within this the, the food industry after a while. Um, so opened up a couple retail spots, had a bar downtown for a little while where we would um, sell popsicles, but then make alcoholic popsicles, do cocktails with popsicles in them, stuff like that. Uh, and then we also started a distribution company. Um, we saw a big hole where local uh, food entrepreneurs were having a tough time getting their product from um, their kitchen to places like Whole Foods or, um, you know, like uh, The Daily mm-hmm. um, or little local eateries. Um, that food distribution is still actually a really big problem in that industry. Um, but we, we were doing wholesale like that as well mm-hmm. by that point. And like, all right, well, what if we started up a distribution company? Um, so I spearheaded that effort when we were launching things and learned pretty quick that we were working with our small food companies. Um, and my role was to help, you know, get their food from, from A to B, but within that started doing stuff like brand consulting and, um, helping with their people problems. You need to hire somebody. How do I find somebody having this problem with uh, my people? And so started to become basically like a, a consultant to a lot of our vendors. Um, and it was cool. I mean, it's fun to work with, with business owners and helping them with business problems. Um, so that was kind of the genesis of uh, me switching gears uh, about three years ago. Uh, my partners bought me out of King of Pops. Um, it was just uh, time to do something else. Wasn't really sure what that something else was. Sure. Uh, but um, got out of that business and then um, eventually, like immediately, actually had some friends who were like, hey, I need, I need help with with this project. I think Verde, uh, the salad place in town was my, mm-hmm. my first client there. It was like, we're, they're looking to install like some 
uh, EOS methodology was called the operating or entrepreneurial operating system, which is basically mm. a way to run your business. And we had used that, that system in our, our business. Hmm. Um, so started helping them. And is, then, is that, does that sink into like a POS? That's an entirely different dashboard. Yeah. It's it has a, nothing to do with the, the transaction at the counter. Someone's buying a salad and the cashier is putting it into their system. Now, this now is EOS. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically just like, how do you run your business? How do you meet? How do you set goals? How do you build an organization? How Got do you it. come up with a scalable uh, organizational chart, just all the things that go into running a business. Sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, found the niche in there that was kind of fun to play with. I mean, um, you know, that kind of turned into me just helping other folks figure out how to grow their business. And for me, that always starts with, you know, what do you ultimately want to want to do with your organization? Where, mm-hmm. where are we taking this thing? Um, and then building back from there. Hmm. For those of you who don't know, Verde is the fantastic locally headquartered salad shop that has turned into a bit of a local franchise. Um, recommend you go check out all local businesses. Um, it's important in raising the tax base here, making Charleston a unique spot, a vibrant location. Andy's done his part and all the good folks at Verde have done theirs as well. So make sure you go patronize them and, and, and everyone like Verde. Um, Andy, that's fascinating. So you found a way to kind of pivot from doing one thing to another thing. Did you find personal enjoyment as you moved from the you know, day-to-day selling of popsicles and finding out how to to sell a particular product to a particular audience and then like pivoting to more of an operational consultant perspective. I mean, did you find kind of a natural inclination there? Was it, did it feel like a good fit for you? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's like anything you kind of fake it till you make it right. Sure. Um, we were, uh, I was helping folks out. And I, it's like this radio show. Right? Exactly. I'm, I'm we wearing headphones. Uh, I, I don't, I shouldn't be here, but they've let me come in here and ask a few questions and, I am indebted to them for it, but yeah. yes, fake it to make it is a, is a good ethos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I had some ideas about what to do, but then, you know, over time, figured out how to kind of productize the services. And I remember um, a couple of years ago, me and one of my, my partners were uh, talking about, I just hated the term consultant, just find mm-hmm. it to be kind of icky. Sure. Um, but I was like, I guess that's what I do for work now, so I probably need to get over it. <laughs> yeah. As your skin just crawling, as I've now said, uh, where the consultant count is at about four, I believe. So you're welcome. Yeah, coach is the other one that people are like. Yeah, hey, you're a business coach. I'm like, I guess so. I just don't like the way that sounds for some reason. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I hear you, champ. What yeah. about champ? How do you feel about that? I'm good with champ. <laughs> okay, so you were feeling pretty good about um, about what you were doing with People Surge, and People Surge is a local independent. Uh, business, business, correct? Mm-hmm. And yep. it's still around, even though you've stepped back to a degree. Is that correct? Well, uh, no. So it's, okay. it's no longer around anymore. So about, uh, I guess, in February, um, one of our clients, who was actually based out of D.C., um, liked what we were doing, right? Uh, and decided they wanted us to come work for them. So they acquired our business. Got it. Um, we kept the People Search brand around for a minute, but got then it. Just okay, that's what over. I was thinking. Okay. Yep. Um, so yeah, now I work for a group out of D.C., still work with a bunch of local businesses here in Charleston, mm-hmm. doing the same type of work. We kind of figure out our basically our, our the business strategy. What do you want to do, and how can we stay on track to get there? What's our business structure look like to achieve what we would like to achieve? Uh, but now I also work with, like, Department of Energy and USDA and um, got a call uh, with the National Science Foundation later cool. this week. Um, so we have, we have access to all these big federal agencies now. It's pretty pretty exciting. So for folks who don't know who are listening in, maybe you're, you're a local business leader, maybe you're just interested in, in business, um, 
Andy does some fantastic, really unique stuff. So it's not just, as he mentioned, you know, he poo-poos the word consulting. And I, <laughs> I understand knowing what, knowing what I know about what he does. Um, for those of you who, who don't really understand what Andy does, it is like super, I mean, I don't say this lightly, it's like revolutionary. He goes in to a business, he understands it on a level you wouldn't believe by gathering a bunch of different data points and a bunch of different metric metrics. And then he, he, he makes recommendations to the organization based on how he sees the puzzle fitting together a little bit better. And every person in that organization is essentially a puzzle piece. So he analyzes the team members, he analyzes the team's goals, where they've been, where they want to be. And he makes a, a, a slew of, of, of commentaries on who they are and how they can be more of what they want to be by kind of dialing up certain human capacities, dialing down others. And what he does is really pulls back a curtain. And I know this because Low Country Local First has done a number of retreats with Andy. Um, he kind of pulls back the curtain on what certain individuals bring to the table and how they are furthering particular objectives within an organization and how those individuals best collaborate or complement other individuals in the same organization. And he can kind of, again, uh, make recommendations based on what he sees and where he thinks that those team uh, kind of dynamics can go. Andy, did I do a, a horrible job uh, describing that? Did I butcher that? I'm sure I did to some degree. Please tell me what I said right and wrong about that, and please further expound on what you do, particularly as it pertains to that index I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, you did, you did great. That was very kind words, Steve. Thank you for, for laying that out there. And we, we actually struggle a lot of times with um, succinctly describing what we do because um, it, it does get fairly complicated pretty quick. Um, but at the end of the day, what we really want to do is simplify what people have to decide and how they do it. So uh, Steve mentioned this index. We work with a group out of Boston called the Predictive Index. Um, It's a behavioral analytic tool that we use to integrate that with the strategy of a business. So we're mapping human analytics to the operations of a business and making sure that those puzzle pieces all fit right from the perspective of hiring appropriately, um, coaching up your team, developing your team, making sure people on a team are working well together. Mm. Um, it's all fairly basic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a business owner, you get so in the weeds with what you're doing on a day-to-day basis that it's really hard to see you know, beyond the forest, right? Um, you see how the trees are in front of you. you can't, it's hard to see the whole picture. So really what, what my job is about is showing you that stuff that's right in front of your face and trying to make it as simple as possible because we all overcomplicate things every day, right? Um, so how can we just really simplify it to get to the, the core of the issue and start to do that? So, you know, at the end of the day, like I'm, I, I'm there to like help solve problems. Um, and it's not really me doing any of the, the, the solving. It's just helping putting the people in front of me in the right position to make the right choices. Give me a specific example. That's fascinating. Give me a specific example, if you would, of, of a time when you helped a business run more efficiently after having had an opportunity to analyze their operations. You don't have to give, give names or anything, but I'm just curious kind of to, to, to see how, uh, you know, specifically speaking, the, this, this plays out when, you, when you're hired by someone, for example. Yeah, sure, sure. So um, typically, and I mentioned this a moment ago, what I start off with is that, that long-term outlook. So um, almost any client that I work with, they don't have it really dialed in we'll go through a, a visioning session mm-hmm. where we're trying to come up with where is this organization going to be in five or 10 years? 
Um, and that's something that a lot of people just take for granted. Uh, and it's kind of hard to do. It's pretty daunting to look that far in the future. So by doing that, you can pinpoint where you ultimately want to go. And then all of a sudden building a plan on how to get there becomes a lot easier because it's, it's crystallized on where we want to go. Then we can figure out how we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, what that looks like from a, just like a day to day business problem. Um, you know, I do everything from sit in on meetings where we've got two people on a team who just aren't seeing eye to eye. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll take a step back. Here's where we also may want to go with this issue. Um, how can we figure out how to communicate get her to get there? Uh, and I'd say like 95% of business problems are all communication problems. Hmm. Um, so being able to empathize with the people that you work with, um, figure out you know, why we're not seeing eye to eye here, and then how does that line up with where we want to go? Um, so always marrying stuff to where we're ultimately taking things. It tends to make the problems that we're dealing with on the surface level uh, kind of dissipate pretty quick. So people take an, an index, which is essentially a very short, intuitive, straightforward survey, mm-hmm. and everybody scores a little bit differently. Yep. And those scores uh, suggest to you, as the, the leader of this, uh, this sort of practice, um, who they are on some business employee continuum, mm-hmm. or what sort of skills or challenges they bring to the table. And then you can make recommendations to the business leader about how she or he can can dial up or pull back on on kind of bringing those people together in intentional ways or, or kind of pulling them apart maybe into different teams if that would be for the kind of betterment of the organization. Is that right? A hundred percent. I'll give you a quick uh, example sure. um, of how we might use that. So. Um, I use this story a good bit because it's, uh, it's personal to me and it makes a ton of sense to folks. Um, so uh, my brother was my first employee at King of Pops here in Charleston. His name's Danny. Oh, cool. Um, great dude. Little um, brother, big brother? Uh, he's a little brother, but he's bigger than me, so a little bit of both. <laughs> okay. Okay. A bigger, younger brother. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Um, uh, we... You, you were eating too many popsicles. They were stunting your growth. Right, oh, right. Sure. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, so uh, on the index, you're talking about predictive index. Um, one of the things that we measure is people's uh, application of rules and structure. How do you view the world? Are you a very flexible person who can kind of just freewheel throughout the day and kind of go from thing to thing and don't really need much structure? Or do you really appreciate a good structure, being able to follow an SOP, knowing exactly how you're going to get through the day? Um, typically, people fall somewhere on a continuum there. I'm very flexible and just can kind of care less about rules and have no problem flying without them. My brother loves to know what's going to go on, how we're going to get there, what's the process look like. Um, so as we were starting off the, the, the company here in Charleston, um, we were growing pretty quick. Um, we had to start up our, um, our catering department. We were getting a bunch of orders for like you know, birthday parties and corporate events and, and, and random stuff like that. I was like, all right, Dana, I need you to help me figure out what this program looks like. Um, and he's like, okay, yeah, I can do that. Um, you know, how do I do that? And my response would be, I don't know, figure it out, mm-hmm. which to me makes total sense. Like somebody's like, yeah, go, just go do that thing. I'm like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> right, um, but to sure. him, he's like, I need to know how to get there. I need more information here. I need uh, to know what to do first, what to do second, how it looks. Um, but by me saying, just, I don't know, just figure it out. You know, he gets like this kind of head explosion moment. Um, so it took a while for us to figure out how to work together sure. appropriately. Um, Cause it got, it got pretty contentious. Um, you throw the family element in there, it gets even more so. Oh, I bet, um, yeah. But, uh, My brother but, and I were in a band for a few years, and that was difficult enough. I can't <laughs> imagine making multi-million dollar business decisions at those times of uh, familial adversity. Right, right. <laughs> Very congenial most of the time, for the record. Mom, if you're listening, 
we had a great time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there are those moments, right, where it's like, well, I want to do it this way. You want you want to do it this way, and you're bringing in family history into it, and it can All get it, right? it can get sticky. Right. So um, it took us a while to kind of figure out how to navigate that, and we didn't have um, the predictive index what you're talking about back then. Mm. Um, it was really just me kind of stepping back. All right, Danny, um, I don't really know how to do this either. Here's how I think it looks at the end of the day. Can you help build that process and how to get there? It's like, oh well, that that makes total sense, right? Which to me was you know, two ways of saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know, figure it out. And then like, here, you help build this Hmm. and here's what it looks like. Uh, but to him, he needed to be rephrased. Um, so it made sense to him. Um, so again, just by kind of tweaking Mm -hmm. the way you speak with different people, you can inspire them and make this, make that communication just flow a lot easier. Hmm. That's fascinating. So for you, knowing you, your kind of freewheelingness, your ability to adapt, your ability to kind of a propensity to think of a of an endpoint which may be visionary and lofty, if not a little bit suspended mysteriously in the ether, is actually a positive if you're able to team up with someone like your brother, as long as you both are on the same page, mm-hmm. and that comes through good communication, as you said. Um, and and he's aware that, hey, my role is X, Y, and Z. And that happens to be the role of taking a process and implementing it uh, with a fine tooth comb and with a, with a huge sense of accuracy. So that, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And no, we always look at it from like, all right, if you can understand how you're coming off to people, have mm-hmm. that self-awareness, right? And we all think we might have it, but it's always good to remind yourself because we all live inside our own brains. Right. right. Um, so we are, you know, everybody's got a little bit of sociopath in them. We're, we're just viewing the world sure. through our own eyes. Yeah. Um, I've, I've occasionally been in other people's <laughs> brains, but the government prevents me from <laughs> right. saying much more about that. But yes, yeah, yeah. I hear it. Uh, but then if you can understand the person across from you at a deeper level, how can I really communicate with them? What, what are they taking from this? Right. right? How are they viewing it? Um, and then if you can get a whole team and understand how everybody's kind of operating, it allows you to communicate it just much more efficiently and much more purposefully. Um, and what I always tell people is like, what I'd like to do in any job I work on uh, is to make everyone's jobs more meaningful. Hmm. How can we create more meaning out of working on this team? Hmm. If you can do that, then the business results will come. Say more about meaningfulness and business. Why we do a lot of work at Low Country Local First about trying to illuminate the importance of trying wherever possible to pair profit with purpose meaningfully. I can tell that you're an individual who understands the import and intrigue of social enterprise and to a degree I'm sure triple bottom line and considering people, profit and purpose together and and, and finding a, a reason to do business that is more than just about making money. It's, as you said, about making meaning. So what is important about making meaning as a business guy, as your wife would say? <laughs> uh, well, you know, so I work with a bunch of small business owners. And when you're owning your own business like that, your personal life and your work life are highly intertwined. It's hard to make you know distinction between the two. Um, so if you're not enjoying and getting meaning out of your day-to-day, then it's a pretty miserable existence, right? So just from a sure. very baseline level, how can I have more fun with what I do? Yep. Uh, but then if you can create an environment where everyone there is getting meaning out of what they're doing at work, they're not just collecting a paycheck, they're buying into what the organization stands for, enjoying the day-to-day, enjoying the people that they're working with. Um, I mean, that's a home run, right? That's what everybody wants. Uh, we spend so much time, especially in this country, working you're not enjoying your work, then mm. I think you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. Hmm. And, and where you're doing the work, right? And that played a part into why you're here at the low, in, uh, in the low country doing what you're doing. Yeah, I think that's well put. I mean, that's part, partially what brought me here 
eight or nine years ago now, and full disclosure, I am not a native Charlestonian, and therefore I, I understand, folks, I will never really be a Charlestonian, but I advocate for Charleston, love Charleston with all my heart, and perhaps one day will be an adoptive son of this beautiful city. <laughs> but for the time being, I've been here for about nine years, and um, I, I, will, I will say uh, that I give my full-throated endorsement um, for Charleston as a place to, you know, begin a family and, you know, uh, find a community and start a business or join a, an organization you're passionate about. It is really fertile ground for that sort of meaningful uh, transaction that you're talking about, whether it is business related or emotional or familial. There's a lot going on here and there's a lot of people who are here because they 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 see potential here, I've noticed, and this is just anecdotal, and you're one of them, I would say. Um, so t talk to me a little bit more about the um, kind of exploitation of that potential. So you moved on from People Surge. You saw an opportunity to join up with something, I won't say better, but a little bit bigger, a little bit better, a little bit more inclusive. They're, they've got more clients and accounts, presumably, so that you, knowing what I know now about you, perhaps saw that as an opportunity to make more meaning in more people's lives and therefore give yourself a more meaningful life to a degree. Um, for our business owners who are a part of Low Country Local First, and that's really to say any local independent business owner out there in the 11 counties of the Low Country, what sort of advice would you say based on your experiences um, you have for them if they're looking to take that next step? And maybe it's not just about growth. It's not always about growth. Sometimes it's about understanding, um, I've got a good thing going here, right? I've made this local independent business a part of my life, but I'm perhaps ready to think about the evolution of this business in a way that isn't necessarily about growing it. It might be about exiting or it might be about being absorbed as yours, as your company was, um, by, a, by another business. Um, of course, we always advocate for that absorption to happen by a company that is not necessarily out of state, but we do understand that there are certain scenarios where it calls for that sort of merger or acquisition. And the most we can hope for as a local economic development nonprofit in those situations based here in the low country is for the company that is doing the acquiring to do exactly what yours is doing, which is making an intentional decision to work and to help and to assist and to gasp consult for businesses here in the low country right which is what the building people are doing so this is an incredibly long-winded uh, way of asking what happened between people surge and the building people and how can businesses here in the low country who are looking to take a next similar step do so um, and especially do so in a way where it continues to benefit the local business ecosystem yeah no, good, good, good question um so to answer the first part of that question, between building people and people search, yeah, my new company is the building people. Yeah. Um, it was kind of one of those things that, that fell in our lap. Again, we, um, I, my, the company I work for now, the building people are at DC. The CEO um, was college roommates with my partner at people search. So they had a really, really good relationship. Oh, they right. liked what we were doing. Um, and, uh, and they brought up the idea of acquiring us. So I hadn't had a, a job, you know, and quote unquote, um, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, right? Sure. Um, so, you know, just knee-jerk reactions. It's like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> right, sure. <laughs> um, so it was a lot that went into it just from, like, because my, my, my business partner, Mike, he's in a similar vein of, um, hey, are we going to like doing this? Are we going to be happy doing this? Um, mm -hmm. I, what, what will it feel like to, to work for somebody? Right. Um, 
And so as you've been doing the, this has been my project, my company for so long, yeah. it scared you to be the, sure. not to be the one directly at the helm. I'm yeah. sure. Part of it's ego, right? Sure. Um, sure. Part of it's, uh, the flexibility. Like when you have your own thing, you can do as you want, but mm-hmm. then you start to dive into a little more like, all right, well, when you do own your own business, um, you're always answering to somebody, whether it's your employees, your customers, hmm. your vendor, like there's, there is some. Yeah, you don't always have ultimate True. control. There's an element um, of accountability yeah, there. Yeah, huh. and um, in my company now, um, the uh, we we you know the pretty big just due diligence process with them to make sure it was going to be a big good fit both ways. Um, they're a very entrepreneurial company, young company. Um, they've been around for uh, we've been around for eight years now. This is the building uh, people. The building now. people, okay. yeah. Um, and uh, you know, it was an opportunity to, to do something new. So working within the federal government, I had never done anything like that before. Hmm. Um, so that gets kind of interesting. Um, I have more resources. Um, there's a little security work in there. So at the end of the day, it was like flexibility versus security. And because <laughs> right. of the way the, 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 the building people set up, sure. um, you know, we have leadership roles and um, it's a very entrepreneurial style company. We, we, we really enjoy working with these guys. The whole, the whole group's uh, fantastic. Hmm. Um, so it's been fun to, to, now that we're on that side, of it, sure. we decided to, to jump on board with them, um, to be able to have a group um, of like really, really smart, intelligent people mm-hmm. um, that you can all work with and having kind of resources. My whole career has been small business. Um, so having a, a little bit larger business, you know, um, we'll have almost 300 employees probably in the next few months. Oh, wow. Um, is just a different style of doing things. I was like, oh, this will be interesting to say the least. And it, and it, it has been. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then I guess the, the second part of the question of advice that I would give to people. Um, again, that kind of fell As in someone in lap. the business of advice. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> advice giving. Um, to me, it always goes back to that, where am I going to take this thing? Um, and exit strategy for me is always a big one might be exit strategies. I'm going to do this the rest of my life and pass it on to my kids. Yeah. Uh, it might be, um, you know, I think I'd like to grow this thing and sell it, or I'd like mm-hmm. to, um, start an ESOP for, for my employees. Yeah. Um, or I want to, you know, get some partners and, and help sure. grow that way. There's a ton of different ways you can do your business, but if you're not thinking about the end, um, then I think you're missing something because it's going to affect the way you do everything else. Mm-hmm. So I always advise people to, be thinking with the end in mind Mm. from the get go almost. So you can expect what's going to go on and it gives you the ability to make appropriate decisions when opportunities do arise. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. Always be thinking kind of with end game and outcome in mind. So easy to say right here in a, in a little (laughs) studio where we've got all this time to think and be pensive. (laughs) And then it's like, uh, if I had just worked backwards, as my dad has always said, from the end of the day, I'd know what I'm having for dinner. And my wife and I wouldn't be running around at six (laughs) Oh three wanting to eat dinner by six 30 and it's not going to be able to happen. Uh, no, I hear you. It's like, if you can, if you can kind of visualize what that final stage or final chapter is to a degree, right? It doesn't need to be in perfect technicolor. Um, it definitely makes the planning out of the steps along the way that much easier. Andy, talk to me a little bit about, I appreciate that thoughtful response. Tell me a little bit about your role as a serving board member at the organization I'm a staff member at, which is again, Low Country Local First. Um, what has your experience been there and what has drawn you to serve in that capacity? So I guess that's to say, or that's to ask, what about the local independent business environment and community here in Charleston is in your eyes worth supporting? Sure. No, uh, Another great question, Steve. You're, you're good at your questions. 
Um, uh, so there's a teleprompter right behind your head, actually. Don't give me too much credit. Um, well, I mean, I've been a part of the country local first for, for years. Um, when we were with King of Pops, I remember, um, and, uh, an active member, we like to you know, go to all the networking events and the educational events. Um, always enjoyed it. Um, got to be, uh, you know, friends with, uh, ex ED and founder, Jamie Haley. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and the staff over the years. So, I mean, just at a very surface level, the whole crew at Low Country Local First is awesome. Um, so it's just an easy one to interact with. Right, um, right. You, you people Present are, company notwithstanding. You people are lovely, and I love you. Um, <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, but the the work, I think, um, is powerful. It's, it's hard to run a business. I mean, it just is. Um, to having, whether it's just like, support from an educational standpoint, support just from an emotional perspective of like other people are in this too. Hmm. Um, I think is a, is a really good just way to, to keep the business environment going. Um, but it's fun too, right? If you can get around other business owners, which, you know, you guys are really good at connecting business owners to one another. Um, there's magic that comes there. Cause again, hmm. everybody's kind of going through the same stuff. So you know, how can the, um, how can you help elevate that whole community? Mm-hmm. I think it's super powerful. So, I mean, again, I was a member for a long time and then I was on the, um, uh, I think Jamie asked me to be on the governance committee. And then mm-hmm. as part of the governance committee, we recruit new board members and, um, I think we we're trying to get one more and, um, and somebody else was like, well, why don't you just jump on the board? He's like, <laughs> Oh, I guess I could do that. <laughs> we, we blitzkrieg, you. <laughs> snuck up on you. Uh, but, uh, but no, it's great. It's, and you know, it's, you're on the board with a bunch of other um, successful entrepreneurs and business leaders. So it's a, mm-hmm. that group in its own right is fun to interact with. So um, now it's a, it's a group that I've always held, held close to my heart. So I'm happy to be a part That's of it. It's fantastic. Well, we're, we're, we're extremely fortunate. It goes without saying to have you serving on the board and just to have you as a, uh, as someone we can call up and ask some questions of uh, whenever we are, uh, or we've got an outstanding bill, you let us know, okay? <laughs> the amount of counsel you've given us over the years has been uh, really priceless, and we appreciate it. I think you guys got me to be on the board just so I'd stop charging. It might, for that might purposes. be it. I think that's it. Yeah, I'll have to look at our internal notes, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, no, uh, yeah, no, we, 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 it's, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and, and having you be a, a real integral part of, of what we do at LLF. Um, the last 18 months has been crazy, right? I mean... The planet Earth hasn't seen something like this for decades and decades and decades, right? The um, the business world hasn't seen some something like this for a long time, um, if ever before, right? Mm-hmm. Given given the type of business that we do, it's the the COVID nineteen pandemic has brought to the fore a very unique once once in a once in a species, perhaps dare I say, a set of set of circumstances and with the challenges and opportunities, right? Um, and I'm, I'm thinking in, in particular about just how virtualizable so much of business is, right? Some in- industries, others, others not so much. Um, and those are, are feeling the pinch and the pain at, to varying degrees as a result. What has the last year and a half looked like for you from a personal and professional perspective? Uh, I always ask this of folks who are on um, because I... I like to try to gather as much kind of anecdotal information as possible, particularly from the folks in the local business ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, been interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm a kind of a, a natural optimist. Um, so it's been an, an interesting one for me to navigate through. I, I, um, I hesitate to, to 
be too positive about it because I know a lot of people have been hurting um, a lot over the last 18 months. But for me, um, we, uh, you know, the pandemic kicked off and I immediately went into like, how can I help my clients and my friends that are in business out here navigate this whole thing? Hmm. Um, which was interesting in its own right because different types of businesses navigating different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so I we're, mean, at, we're at maybe like March, 2020. Yeah. We're starting to what is a catch wind loan about it, right? Yeah. Where people are talking about PPP, maybe, maybe the, the idle loans haven't quite right. been introduced. Yeah. How do I get through? I mean, how do I get right. payroll? Can I, can I continue to pay right. some people? If I lay people off, can I get them back sure. on? Sure. The, um, the, the threat of potential shutdowns, both, uh, compulsory and suggested is becoming more and more real by the day. Mm-hmm. Were you still over at this building over here yeah. that we were yeah. at? Okay. Yeah, you were was, still working at Local Works 1.0. 1.0 was there. Um, I was probably like the, me and uh, the other Andy over there were, were like the only two people coming back <laughs> in once I kind of pseudo opened back up. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were at about 30 to 40% occupancy, but we had about 11% of all Andes in the low country in house. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it depends upon what metric yeah. you're looking at, whether we were currently successful or unsuccessful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a scary time, right? Yeah. It was hard to even measure success, right? Sure. We, people were, were f- uh, frightened for their lives for good reason. Um, if you're immunocompromised or are, it can be a dangerous place. So you think about the kind of the, um, hierarchy of needs and it's like well we need shelter we need health and those things were being threatened and so some people understandably think of business as being second or third to those crucial components of life Mm -hmm. Um, when those when those building blocks of life are being threatened everything else almost gets almost gets paused so you were feeling optimistic but certainly part of you understood the gravity of the moment and so what sorts of changes or projections were you making or manipulating at that time because you were at People Surge, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for us, again, like I, I think I stopped charging all of my clients. Like, let me just help. Oh, wow. Because right? we don't know what's going to go on. Wow. So like, let me just help, and then we'll, we'll figure it out later. Really? On. Continue um, doing work, but we're not sending any sorts of yeah. invoices or bills right. that way. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, which ultimately worked out great. Um, created good goodwill and helped clients out and then you know kept them on afterwards. Um, wow. I think everything was made right, which was just great. Um, Smart. Because your help presumably help them stay afloat. Yeah. And for, then they were around later to be able to pay you. Right. <laughs> so, you know, part, part of it was, um, you know, self-preservance, <laughs> but, uh, sure. um, but no, I think, you know, working through that and then, um, you know, for, for me, um, you're watching everything happen around you. And, um, I was, um, uh, probably more on the, um, liberal side of the, uh, how to deal with the pandemic, not from a political spectrum, that just liberals and like, ah, ready to get sure. back to doing things sure um knowing still like be trying to be yeah, considerate yeah. of everybody else around me um if you know, for me i'm a i'm a pretty social person um going back to like predictive index stuff I'm, I'm on the extroverted side of things i get energy being around people for sure and sitting at home uh and working just wasn't really working yeah. for me so again me and andy were over there holding down local works just two of us for the most part <laughs> yeah no, you're very you're very social yeah. and uh, we we embrace for uh three minutes when we met each other this morning. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was just hoping we would in my mind. Um, uh, yes. But then, you know, all in all, we, I, we ended up selling our company during the pandemic and, you know, about in February. So, um, not even a year in, and, uh, you know, you started to mold into like, all right, what is the next iteration of work going to look like? Huh. Um, so, um, you know, for, from a business perspective, things weren't all right for, for us. I have two little kids at home, so there's a lot of, you know, just managing them. But I think my my five-year-old now taught him how to ride a bike, you know, during the pandemic. So got 
a lot of people emerge like that. And I, again, I naturally am an optimist, so it's hard for me to think back, like, I wasn't going as well. Sure, and you were working remotely at the time yeah. for the most part, right? Yeah. Occasionally meeting with clients, particularly the, the ones that were willing and able to meet mm -hmm. uh, because they were in close proximity or their protocol company protocols were such that they could meet. Or do you remember you taking a few meetings next door with some local mm -hmm. companies or businesses? I won't name them if you do, wouldn't like for them to be named, but I do, I, I do remember thinking, hey, you know what? The world is sort of shutting down right now. It's a scary thing, but at least like business to a degree, right, in a safe way, is finding a way um mm -hmm. you know it was like the little slightly cheesy image of like the flower like growing through a crack in a sidewalk or something <laughs> it, it, there was a ver there was an iteration of that happening um even right at local works as i looked around and it was you meeting with some, some restaurant groups and there were other folks uh who were still meeting up with one another we had an architect in the building and there was someone who owned a resort in the building. And I remember them sitting at the lunch table, putting their heads together and just kind of scheming and collaborating and, and envisioning what the future would hold for both of their businesses. And they were both kind of just offering up some, some pro bono tips and advice to one another. And I thought, well, you know, what a, what a beautiful instance of, um, you know, altruism here mm -hmm. in this, in, in the center of a torrent of uncertainty. And, and, and part of what, struck me in that moment and many moments like it as being so moving was you know the the understanding that this sort of like face-to-face -face pro bono help call it consultation it's really just friendship right isn't as likely to happen just by virtue of the fact that that you're you're not in as close proximity in a larger city or a or a more rural spaced out um, sprawling metro center. Um, Charleston, I think, is... We're not the most densely populated city, but we certainly are... We live close to one another, right? There's still this familial kind of neighborly feel to the city, whether you're in Park Circle like you and your family are, or you're downtown, or you're over in James Island, or somewhere else in North Charleston or Mount Pleasant. Um, there's, I've always noticed, kind of a natural inclination to build rapport with one another here. And, and maybe that's like that in other towns and villages and hamlets across the country. <laughs> um, but, but, but in any case, I wanted to just tip my hat to you because you reminded me of a few instances where through your optimism, right, your cautious optimism, you were able to continue to lean on those, those really important uh, instances of friendship that that are built within and without the business community and and it was so helpful I know to so many folks over there that were working in the space when they were able to meet with you and, and other individuals who were still working at local works um, so tell me tell me how you got to where you are now we're still in the midst to a degree of some level of uncertainty as we all know and I've read through all the surveys that low country local first has put out um, some business owners, depending upon their industry or their age or their stage or their type, um, are still struggling. Others are doing better than they did before the pandemic. It's still kind of a bizarre time. There's this restructuring, this reshuffling of the cards. Um, where are you at now? Uh, apparently, uh, as I'd imagine, you're still being, you're still, you know, your optimistic self. Mm -hmm. um, but, but if you were to provide as honest and sober a diagnosis of your current personal and professional state and then your future professional and personal state, what would it be? Would you mind sharing that? Yeah, no, sure. Um, 
uh, it, I am still in my optimistic state. It's hard for me to shake it, right? Um, <laughs> but, and, you know, just anic- you, you came in with 30 scratch-off tickets, which I thought <laughs> incredible. Uh, no, um, you know, and anecdotally, you know, most of the folks that um, I, I'm, I am friends with a bunch of business owners as well and, and parts of different uh, groups where we have um, give people each other peer advice and, and work toward one another from a um, kind of a leadership perspective. I think optimism is high across a ton, if not most industries. Um, I think it's, um, if you watch the news, which I, I'm, I'm not very good about watching the news, um, I think it's easy to be brought down. But then when you're having the, the one-on-one conversations with folks, it seems to me um, most people are cautiously optimistic mm-hmm. about what's going on. Sure. And, um, you know, I think even just like there's the emergence of more in-person meetings becoming mm-hmm. more pervasive. People are getting together with in larger groups. Um, and I think just that seeing people again and, and mm-hmm. giving yourself permission to do that in, in a safe manner um, is giving people a ton of energy. Um, I know for me, we had our uh, all-hands meeting a couple weeks ago that I facilitated, and um, there was about 50 of us there, and just be able to be close to people. It's just mm-hmm. kind of kind of nice. You can communicate on a level that you just can't through a computer screen mm-hmm. um, when you're together. So um, I think optimism's high. I mean, we're doing a lot of work now um, with even like the federal government of how do we help federal agencies get back to the work office? Hmm. Um, so not, not we've been avoiding back to work strategies. How do we sure. embrace like a hybrid model um, and make it sustainable um, using analytics from helping people understand how to work, changing business processes to order to get to where we want to go while still being able to, to see people, but then take advantage of the good stuff from working at home. A lot of people are a lot more productive working from their house. Hmm. Um, they're saving money by not commuting, saving time by not commuting. Um, sure. And they like to work from home. Sure. So giving people that opportunity, if it makes sense from a business context, um, I think is a, is a big win at this whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, but uh, I think as we start to get to around people more and more, we're just going to be naturally become more used to what's going on. And a part of it is just being comfortable. After you've cooped up for a year, mm-hmm. getting around people can makes some people kind of gun shy, right? right? So giving people the grace to, to, to ease into it, I think is really important. Yeah. Our first few sentences before uh, Abby here in the studio turned on the mic were just kind of garbled mishmashes of words in no particular order um, as we slowly uh, synced ourselves back up to the normal conversational <laughs> tempo. Yeah, People are here. Um, time to turn on my social button. Um, no, I think that's a great point. I think it's been a, it's been a crazy time and certainly things are not going to ever get back to what they were, but perhaps it just means we're in some sort of new normal and there's some good with that, right? As long as you have the privilege of being able to connect virtually and remotely and you have that sort of digital, uh, connectivity piece that you can rely on, which many communities, unfortunately, including aspiring entrepreneurs do not. And that's a whole nother story, certainly, um, you know, for another time, perhaps, um, but those of us who do, um, like a majority of the business world, have that ability to virtually connect and condin- continue to conduct business, um, that is important for folks to, to make sure that they soldier on and, and, and take advantage and exploit those those opportunities. Um, we do have a vacuum cleaner going on in the studio here, but speaking of soldiering on, I'm just going to take that as some white noise and hopefully I don't fall asleep like I do <laughs> with my white noise machine at night. Um, I uh, I want to I do want to wrap things up. We are getting to the end of the hour anyway, Andy. This has been a fantastic uh, 
conversation, at least uh, in terms of what you've you've offered, I've pretty much just uh, prevented you from giving us your full knowledge through long-winded diatribes and uh, various harebrained soliloquies. Thank you all for indulging me. If you are still listening on 96.3, we appreciate you for being here. You are a big part of what we do. We wouldn't be a show without an audience. So thank you always for tuning in. Um, if you just tuned in towards the end of this, you can always listen to these talks on Small Talks, Big Ideas with Steve, the podcast on your preferred streaming platform of choice. I think to wrap things up, Andy, I always like to ask our guests uh, a version of this question. And full disclosure to everybody listening, we do not... Um, uniquely endorse any one business or group of businesses over others. This is not um, a recommendation that you stop, drop, and patronize a particular retail shop or restaurant. This is strictly a way to get to know how specifically our guest interacts with the local independent business community here. Um, curious, what are some of the some of the spots that 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 you yourself just love um, supporting? And I'm talking about local independent businesses and retailers here in town. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. I got some gear from Half Moon a week nice. or two ago. Cool. Some Christmas presents and some, can't, can't not get myself some personal stuff when I go into there. Love them. <laughs> They're yeah. awesome. Um, yeah, Beezer and all of them over there. Yeah, they, they do such a great job. Yeah. Um, you ever go up on the, the climbing wall at the South Windermere location? I've not been on the climbing wall. Okay. Um, uh, I'd like to just never, never done it for whatever reason. But uh, that plaza that they're in over in South Windermere, fun fact, uh, is the oldest strip mall in South Carolina. Nice. And it's like 37 local independent businesses over there. I not know that. Learn something new every day, Steve. Yeah. Hey. Uh, I'm full of half facts. <laughs> no one looked that up because it's probably wrong. Yeah. Uh, or only half true. But uh, but then, no, I, I order um, a salad from Verde probably once a week. Nice. I like to hit up a good, uh, good taco boy from time to time. Sweet. Um, uh, I, I live in Park Circle, so... Places like you've got no shortage Evo right there. and yep. Holy City Brewing and Common House are, cool. are all on my hit list pretty regularly. Um, no, I mean, I think uh, the Low Country local group really hammered it into my skull a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Better be for better for local. Worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, there's just a plethora of just yeah. amazing yeah. retail and restaurant spots around yep. Charleston. So cool, man. Um, the more the merrier for me. Awesome. Yeah. Speaking of merrier, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, which I think is wrapping up right now to all of you fine folks listening in um and annie thank you for sharing with us some of your tips for local independent spots to hit up for individuals looking to make sure that they're making an intentional 10 percent shift of their holiday shopping to local mom and pop businesses you can make sure that you're shopping at a certified local independent business by navigating to lowcountrylocalfirst.org and clicking on business directory you'll find hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of businesses all of whom we have certified as local so you can make sure you feel good about patronizing them when you stop in there for a taco or some climbing gear because you know that you are patronizing local and therefore creating local jobs raising up the tax base filling in potholes um, and of course supporting your neighbors which is important for a vibrant inclusive community here in charleston um, all right, Andy, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap things up here. I really appreciate you doing this and thank you to the whole Ohm team, Abby and Vicky included, of course, for making this possible. We will see y'all in a couple weeks, I believe is the next uh, show, but until then, um, peace, love and local shopping. Bye-bye. <laughs>